Hi, I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. Welcome to Apocalypse Duts. We are joined this evening by the positively stunning and effortlessly cool Darren Johnston, curator of American collegiate style, a disciple of Black Ivy, a man in tweed is a friend indeed. Welcome to the show, Darren. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. How are you feeling today? Doing good. Doing well. Uh, weather's nice. The spring has been very conducive to our to our style, I'll say. Right? Oh, it's total cool weather, total. right? I can back <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> so I wish it would stay. I wish it would stay that way. No, it's going to get hot, and then my style will just go right down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be, being I in bet, Georgia, I I've already not. had a little bit of that. Which really fucking mm-hmm. sucks when it's like eighty-eight degrees and seventy percent humidity. You're just like, well, all right, nothing, nothing is comfortable. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So we have a pretty packed show today. So we will just get into it. Uh, we talk about the ensemble investigation, Darren. This is where we ask you what you are wearing today. From head to toe, or toe to head, however much detail you like. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, starting off, I have this, uh, I was showing Connor before, but it was this Brooks Brothers silk and linen It's so coat. funny, because this is like what I'm looking for right now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so great, man. It's the three-roll two, so it's a very straight fit, very comfortable. Um, so I'm wearing that. Of course, I customized it. I actually put this through the wash, a cold wash, right? Because it was a little oversized. And I figured, and you know, silk inherently has a lot of stiffness in it. So if you throw it in a wash, in a cold wash, hang it to dry, right? But you got to make sure you size up a little bit if you're going to do this. This is a sidebar. Um, hang <laughs> dry, and you'll have a nice, soft, unstructured feeling sport jacket. So I'm wearing that. I'm wearing a Troy and Guild and Troy pinpoint Oxford shirt. Um, vintage Brooks Brothers black label uh, paisley tie um, O'Connell's poplin gray trousers and Ralph Lauren red socks and I was telling Connell also before we got started about these suede bow tie slip-ons which are like a penny loafer style which are very cool crepe sole and I don't know how I came across this you know, I spend too many hours on eBay. It's probably how. So, <laughs> so weird. I, I, also I was impressed with those, and I saw them this morning. Dude, they're, they're <laughs> fucking cool. Yeah. And also, oh. Darren, I got to say thank you for the O'Connell shout-out. Like, I, they're, they're oh, trash yeah. as shit, and, like, I have friends that have been involved with them. And it's like, that's a name you never mm-hmm. fucking hate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. And it's also good to, like, have a have a trouser with a name, right? Oh, yeah. Totally. totally. Yeah. O- o- O'Connell's is just a, a cool institution. It's one of the last real bastions of, of that particular style. I think it was started by two guys who were actually football players in 1959 yeah. or whatever it was, right? And, of course, they had the whole Ivy thing going on, you know, and this whole American thing. And, you know, the family just kept it going. And uh, person owns it now is a really nice guy. Matter of fact, he answers the phone if you give him a call. Yeah. Know, and you want to buy yeah. something, you have questions. I think his name is Huber, something like that. But yeah, really nice guy. Bought a ton of stuff from him. If you want an authentic khaki pant, well, 
an ivy style khaki pant, right? With a long rise with a proper rise and full cut. That is the place to go. So hell yeah. And, and, and also un, unendorsed, <laughs> unendorsed. Dude, uh, I, I endorse it simply because the vast majority of their pants over the, the, the vast career that they've had have been made by Julie Hurtling mm-hmm. of Hurtling Trousers. And Julie is right. one of my favorite people I've ever known uh, in the clothing industry, RIP Julie. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, a lot of their pants come from him, and he's still bra- He's based in Brooklyn, right, I believe? Uh, they, I think they moved to Fall River. Um, Mr. Hurtling died a, a, a few years back, but they're still in business mm-hmm. in some way. But just one of the – Right. One of the greatest, like, or maybe the greatest American trouser company that that I can personally think. So, right, had to totally had to make that. that connection with the own comments. Yeah, Sorry, Connor, totally I took this in a tangent. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> the magic. That's the magic of the show. So, based formerly in Brooklyn, where are you based? Oh, good question. I'm in New Jersey. Uh, I've been here for about 15 years. I was married. Uh, before for 10 years uh ended up moving here with my then wife uh got divorced and ended up staying here but originally i'm from new york the bronx oh nice okay yes i was was curious about the voice yeah yeah Yeah. that's how i got to jersey yeah i of course i would never have come to jersey being from new york and the bronx if (laughs) (laughs) i I was literally thinking like should i ask if he would have never <laughs> thought of himself living in Jersey, being from the Bronx, but you just took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> well, so 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 I have to say this is very embarrassing, but so the question is, I originally wrote it right. Jersey looms large in your life, even in your Instagram handle, because Darren J looks mm. like. NJ. So I was like, right. this guy put fucking New Jersey in his Instagram handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's surprised you picked that up. You know, most people do not get that association. I thought it would be obvious to a lot of people, but no, they didn't They didn't pick up on that. But yeah, absolutely. We're, we're a very intelligent, intelligent show, if you're not already confused. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are very quick. Very quick. To uh, so where in Jersey like, do you live, Terrence? I live in Jersey City. Okay. So right yeah. So like right across the river. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel yeah. like a bunch of people that I knew in Brooklyn when I lived there have now made that trek across the river because it's like mm-hmm. it's got some shit happening. Like it's a cool place, and it's mm-hmm. very close to New York. Oh man, yeah. They have a huge art scene here. So if you guys ever want to come up from Baltimore and hang out, yeah, they they have an art crawl every April May, and there's a oh, lot of artists cool. because there's a lot of a lot of lofts in downtown Jersey City that they've appropriated, and they do, they make art. Um, right, right. I used to, yeah, yeah. I used to show, you know, because I dabble in painting and drawing all this. Actually, oh, I went to Parsons School of Design. Jesus yeah. Christ! <laughs> you can't just bury the fucking lead like bury that. Bury the fucking lead. <laughs> okay, uh, well, maybe you have heard of Parsons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, long those many years ago. So are you like an architect? No, well, actually what I do is I do project. Yeah, well, I do that. I I dabble in that. I paint and I draw um, on my off time. But here where I work, and I was telling Connor this, I work at a university to get back to the question. uh, 
And that sort of informs my style because I work at this institution that's close to 200 years old. And um, so I work at an actual university. So I'm wearing university-based clothes in the environment that sort of makes sense in that context. Sure. Um, so that's how it sort of informs, you know, what I wear. Um, but yeah, I went to Parsons uh, for a bit, uh, graduated, got a degree in graphic design, decided that I didn't want to do that because everyone at that time was now doing graphic design, so it made it pretty much irrelevant. <laughs> so I ended up getting a job as a project manager, and I work in facilities, logistics, and project management. So we take care of the infrastructure of this institution that I work at. We do like... Um, student facing projects like we installed these lockers we designed it uh with with the vendor you know they support the students they come and pick up packages from these lockers so we have a whole team that sort of does these installs so so there's a lot of architectural plans and all this implementation kind of stuff so that's what i did that's how i translated my art degree into what i do now so, that that is quite the history yeah yeah yeah. And a long journey, too. Yeah. 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 A long but, journey. But like a very interesting sounding journey. And I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I do wish we'd done it. this and we could have had a two hour show. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll stay on as long as you guys want. Yeah. Nice. So, I was going to ask, I, I was going to ask, like, now we know that you are not from New Jersey. I kind of figured you were from New Jersey. So, do you think that your geographic place has had an impact on your style? Like, has New Jersey informed certain things about you? I'm sure that working at that university within New Jersey has. Yeah, more in that context, yeah. Working at the institution that I work at sort of informed my style, right? Because I think clothing should be, it should be a couple of things going on in clothes, right? It should be environment it should be where you are in your life and like we we're discussing i'm an older guy before we get to the next question you know so i've done the whole gamut of fashion and clothing and sort of got to a point where okay so now i still like this stuff but how do i incorporate this into my daily life where i have to interact with students or i have to interact with vendors and project managers and whoever and my boss and the president of the university blah 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 and like I was telling Connor earlier, this is a pretty conservative place. I mean, my boss wears double bunk shoes and suspenders. All right. Or braces, All right. whatever you want to call it. So, which, so like, to be, dress do, like, don't you, <laughs> you, don't know, you think, like, like, to be an old head, to be an, to be an older person wearing double monks is a different thing because uh, double monks did become trendy like at a certain point a few years ago, like a decade ago, nearly. So right. someone wearing monks in like an administrative function is like very much a power move. It's a very specific power move. And I think these are probably Alfred Sargent's some British brand. Right. These are $500 shoes. So, you know, he's made definitely making a statement. So, you know, back to my point, you know, it makes sense for me to dress in the way that I do and informed by the environment because my senior leadership dresses in the same way. You know, my boss still wears suits um, and what have you. Matter of fact, I'll tell you guys an interesting story. Um, the president of the university, who I'm pretty friendly with because I've been here about well, 10 years now almost, he ordered these Armani suits. <laughs> so they come in because part of my responsibilities is overseeing the logistics part of 
uh, the campus. So it came into the mailroom, which I received. I was like, who ordered all these six Armani suits? There's no name on these this box. So <laughs> and I found out it was for him, but they were a size in my size. I was like, well, I hope they don't claim them because I could keep these. Back. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, it goes back to context. Yeah, you know, the president's wearing Armani. My boss is wearing suspenders. So now how do I segue into this environment and, and still retain, you know, some kind of flair or totally. my own personal life into it, you know? So what what do you kind of have as your first clothing memory? Because it sounds like you you oh, cared man. for a long time. So yeah, yeah. Um, probably I remember being really into as a kid this this race racing cartoon, right? Okay, I think it was probably anime or something, right? And he had this car, and he had you know whatever he's racing. Speed racer, speed racer. Yeah, I was heavy into speed. I love Speed Racer and Gigantor. <laughs> Tetsuo, whatever it is, 28, whatever the Japanese uh, uh, name for this. So, but big into that, right? So I was like, Mom, I have to have a sweatshirt with racing emblems on. <laughs> so five years old, I had my mom pull these patches on this gray sweatshirt, right? All these racing things on there. So it's probably my earliest memory of, of clothing, of wanting oh, that's to. That's awesome adapt or adopt uh, uh, a piece of clothing and make it sort of my own and become oh. part of something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is something that we will get into, I think, making clothing personal. But I first wanted to ask about uh, something we were talking about. You're collecting these vintage GQs. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, like, wondering, like, how are you finding them? And what are you extracting from them? Because for weeks and weeks, possibly even months, I have been seeing these things. Like, where is he getting these amazing images? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's from these old GQs. And again, um, uh, before we get to the – I'll answer the age question. Question, I don't know if I did already, but, uh, yeah, I'm in my 50s. So I remember buying these GQs when they came out as a young guy, as maybe in my teens, right? And I didn't have the appreciation for them that I do now, obviously. I was like, oh, these are cool, you know, because I sort of started to get into clothing at that age, but I really didn't appreciate or didn't have the the knowledge that I do now in terms of how this progression of traditional clothing in an American sphere sort of translated to what I was seeing in these magazines. So, you know, I didn't appreciate them to the degree that I do now because now I can look back and say, okay, hey, this is British influenced, or this has touches of Ivy, or this is early Ralph Lauren, or whatever. Now I have all these touchstones to refer back to, but I find them on eBay primarily, right? And sometimes they'll put up a whole block of them. I'll buy a bunch, and sometimes they're like 20, 30 bucks a pop. But I just gotta have it because I have this obsessive compulsive personality, right? And that's why I'm really careful about this. I get into so clothing and everything else and GQ magazines are safe sort of things for me to get crazy about. So, <laughs> so, no, so yeah, totally. that's where I'm primarily on eBay so. and Etsy. Yeah, what what sure, is the oldest that's... issue that you have? Like, if you know off the top of your head, I think that 
Well, I have them actually in my office because I don't have oh, a shit. real room at my house anymore. Yeah. So my boss ever comes in here, he'll probably be like, what the hell is happening in here, man? You got GQ magazines in your dresser and you got some rape magazines underneath here and what have you. So, but yeah, probably 1984, I would say. Okay. Nice. Yeah. 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 And you know what? Long way back. It's, yeah, a long way back for sure. But you know, I'm, American magazines are just in such a sad state right now, right? And they have been for a long time standpoint yeah. you know they've sort of given up the ghost and they've been so committed to fulfilling the wishes of their advertisers now right now they oh want my god yeah. yeah crap in there who i saw an issue of gq recently it was a gingham fur coat it was orange and white like who is wearing this if you're not elton john and there's nothing wrong with that, you <laughs> wear that right? yeah <laughs> you want to wear those clothes Fine. It's not a criticism, like, but that doesn't speak to the broader community of menswear guys like us who are really into more traditional stuff. There should be space for both both viewpoints. Yeah, and like really not to say that the average American person that, that gives a fuck about clothing, uh, or sorry, uh, not to say that the average American person actually gives a shit about clothing. Um, mm-hmm. but GQ, like, like, I, I don't remember the last time that I even looked at an, an issue in the grocery store mm-hmm. or whatever, but mm-hmm. like, there was always some semblance of like, yeah, there's some aspirational shit, like a gingham fur coat, fine, but there's mm-hmm. also like normal shit that, that any person that actually cares, which is not probably most people, but like a significant portion. Right. And now it's just like, oh, this is what we're getting. Like, oh, cool. Uh, and not to denigrate, but like, like shit changed, and sadly, they did not really change with it in a in a like normal person form. Right, right. And yeah. it's hard. It, it's hard to change print. I think people who are smarter than me and know this better than me have said this, but. It's hard, right? When you have those, when you have that kind of timeline to make a change, I can only imagine that it's uh, difficult to be agile, especially compared to like a digital publication, right? right? I can change the title of this article. I can change the title of this episode right now if I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So absolutely. it's just, I'm not making excuses for them. I'm just saying, like, it's sad, as you said. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sad. In order for them to stay in business, they have to serve the needs of their advertisers, and that's what they're doing. And their advertisers are designers, right? And they have to put that product in their magazine so they can continue making the money that they need to to stay afloat. And that's what the reality of it is. You know, Total. Instead of putting, you know, J. Crew or stuff that guys like us can relate to, you know, you never see that anymore. But in these old GQs that I've been collecting, you know, you see all kinds of clothes in there. You see J. Crew. You see. Um, Barney stuff, you see uh, Paul Stewart, you, you see a wealth of things and all at different price points, which is relatable to a broader range of guys. You know, it's not such a specific viewpoint, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, this this was not even something we had talked about leading up to this, like, interview, but it's such a, it's such a good point that, you know, like, 
it's gone from something that was like mildly accessible to something that's basically inaccessible in a lot of ways. And like, it's really right. fucking sad. Well, when you right. see the fit, when you see the fit, it's like, oh my God, this costs $15,000. Like that's what the outfit costs. You're wearing $15,000. Oh, I made a mistake. It's just the jacket is $15,000. Like <laughs> right. I can't no. manage that. How dude. That's not aspirational to me. Yeah. That's Does not that relatable mean? to me. Doesn't that's a car. Yeah. That's the start of a down payment on someplace to live, probably. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so you, you mentioned buying, you know, vintage CQs and collecting that. And um, you had mentioned the, the jacket you're wearing today is a thrifted uh, Brooks piece. So have you... Have you seen the merits of buying secondhand for a long time? Like, uh, or, mm. you know, ha- did you just kind of realize, oh, I can, I can do what I want to do in a, in a more economical form? Right. Yeah, I guess um, probably about 15 years, maybe going on 20 years, I sort of recognized the benefits of uh, buying secondhand. I'll tell you guys a story. Yeah. I went to Atlanta with uh, my best friend, right? And I had these personal sunglasses, right? And this is 1996. I had these personal sunglasses, the ones that Steve McQueen used to wear. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Whatever the hell they are. And I put those in my damn luggage, right? Got to Atlanta. The damn glasses are gone. I was like, holy smokes. They stole. And at the time, these things were $250, $250. Yeah. Then. So that was a lot of damn money. I said, how am I going to recover these things? We don't need to really make them anymore to the degree that they did when I got them. Because uh, they were all made by a company called Rotti in Italy, uh, which used to make them. And they made them for um, Mastro. What's the gentleman, the Italian guy's name? But anyway, he wore them. Steve McQueen wore them. And several other people wore these personal sunglasses. And then they changed hands to Luxottica, which makes Right. Uh, I was going to say, this is a Luxottica takeover. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they, they weren't the same quality. They weren't the same glasses in my point. So I, my friend said, why don't you try eBay? And see if you can get a pair there. I said, okay, yeah, I'll try that. So I went on there. Of course, found a pair. I was like, this is pretty cool. I can find, like, old stuff that, you know, I think is lost and gone forever on this platform. Right. And, and like, that, that is the advent of eBay. Offers. Like, I don't yeah. know totally when they started. But, like, I, I don't remember it being a thing before, like, 98 or so. But, like, to mm-hmm. do this in 96, you're, like, at the forefront of it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm gonna find. They started in 1995, September 3rd, 1995. Shit. All right, all right. Yeah. So I guess I was there at the beginning because that's how old. You're OG, dude. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. a very early adopter. Yeah. So I jumped on that right, and then I was like, well, what else can you get on here? And again, like I said, I told you guys, obsessive compulsive, right? So I used to collect comic books, of course. Uh, Spider Man, Captain America, all these things. I have. Thousands probably at my mother's house in uh, the Bronx. Um, so I can go in there and get comics. I said, what else can you find on here? And then it led down this whole rabbit hole of, you know, <laughs> I need a pair of shoes. Find, find those. And then whatever, pants or – then I started um, – I was really into Italian clothes for a long time before I transitioned over to Ivy and, and traditional uh, American or English clothing. So I said, hey, can I get some vestimenta or canali on here? I find that stuff. And then all of a sudden, I was off and running. 
<laughs> yeah, no. And that's, and it's, it's a great really origin awesome. story of like how you became yeah. a secondhand shopper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. They shouldn't have it, taken the sunglasses. They right, shouldn't have right? taken those sunglasses. They wouldn't have done that. Nothing would have, yeah, probably come of it. So You would have been fine. Yeah, yeah. I'd have been perfectly fine. If someone writes a comic like book that, about uh, secondhand shoppers, you're you got to be the hero, man. <laughs> I'm a big S on my chest, or E B eBay on my chest, or something. Like that. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so, to to begin our discussion of Ivy slash Trad slash Prep slash whatever, um, mm-hmm. why? Because I know you just said you were heavy into Italian clothes before you got into this sort of tailored american uh style of clothing so how did you get there i know your uh traditional clothes and radical thoughts in your bio yeah yeah totally um so i guess it it started like i started to realize that in the context of my life, those Italian clothes really didn't really speak to my experience and my background to a degree, right? Because I wasn't this slick operator or I wasn't, you know, a secret agent or whatever, what have you. Um, I know my dad uh, worked at the post office for a long time. My dad is also a writer and a poet. Um, so Excellent. he, of course, moved up the ranks uh, in the post office and became like an arbitrator, sort of like a lawyer. He argues for the rights of the employees at the, at the post office. Oh, well, he, he did. So, of course, he goes from this menial job all the way up into this blue collar, into this executive job. And his clothing, of course, transforms along that journey. Um, so he started buying Brooks Brothers shirts, um, blue blazers primarily, some suits from JLS Bank, and other traditional clothers, Land's End, what have you. So to this day, he has a row full of Oxford shirts in his closet. They're nothing but white, right? And they're lined up in his closet in plastic bags. So, <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, to this day. So I went there last week and picked up two Oxford shirts. <laughs> two old Brooks Brothers, USA, main nice. USA. So he's a little older. Well, he's a little bigger than me, so they're a little bigger. So, but I'll wear them on the weekends or what have you. But Again, you know, as, when you're younger, you sort of reject the clothes of your parents. So that stuff, that Ivy stuff, that tried stuff that my dad was wearing to work, I was like, this is corny. So it was Ralph Lauren. I want the Italian slick stuff. Right? Yes. But as you get older, you realize that that's not who you are. And you're taking and you're becoming your, you become your parents to a degree after a while, whether you want to or not. You know, it's yep. just by hook or by crook. in there. By hook or by crook. And as I got older, I realized that American clothing, vintage, well-made American clothing is just as much or even more comfortable than Italian clothing. Oh, yeah, my because God. Italian yeah. clothing has a lot of structure. It has a lot of padding in the shoulder. Um, it's fitted at the waist, whereas you can see I like to eat my hamburgers. So <laughs> it didn't really <laughs> speak who I was any longer. So I said, oh, let me let me try Ralph. You know, that's, that sort of looks like what dad used to wear. That might be a little more comfortable, and of course it was, but Ralph is an amalgamation of a lot of makers, right? It's not just Ralph Lauren. It's Vestimenta or Corneliani making Ralph Lauren 
which you then wear. So it's not really his sensibility. It's still someone else's to a degree because he has right. these various makers making various things for him. So I said, okay, this is cool, but this really doesn't fit me physically and it doesn't fit my lifestyle either. Right. So of course, then I turned to the Ivy trad stuff, which is more democratic in the way it fits. It's looser. It's more comfortable. Um, it's a little more well-made, right? Most, most of the time, right? I know if it's older. Yeah. I said, well, I can buy a jacket for $75 or I can buy an Italian jacket for $175. I mean, I can buy an I a Brooks Brothers vintage jacket for $75. Which would I rather do? Of course, I'm going to pick the better quality jacket and the softer, easier, more comfortable jacket. So that's sort of how I transitioned into that. Long story short. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A pretty. And, I mean, oh, go ahead, Connor. Sorry. No, go on. I was just gonna say that's a pretty like uh, elegant change, right? You know, a, a logical too. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And, you 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 have to try on these different personas as you're younger. I mean, that's the time to sort of do it, right? To sort of find out what speaks to you, what makes sense in the context of your own life and experience. Um, and I think that's what's missing sometimes in this trend-based Instagram world is that you're adopting these trends, but it doesn't really speak to who you are as a person. It doesn't really speak to your journey in the context of your life. And why are you wearing what you're wearing? Are you even thinking about that? Or are you just going after these grails because everyone else is getting them? Right. Mm. And, and also... Like, criticism. No, certainly yeah. not. And and you were coming of age when like the Armani Italian thing was the fucking thing. You know, like people yeah. kind of tend to forget that that the the big shoulder like uh, American Gigolo kind of thing lasted a while, and so like yeah. almost almost return to what American clothing was was like for you against the grain of what you were around at that. Right. Yeah. I mean, Armani, what, came into prominence in maybe 1980 and all the way into about almost into the two, 2000. Right. Sort of rule that sort of space, you know. Yeah. And then you had manufacturers like Hickey Freeman making these wannabe Italian suits with like crazy pleats and shit, which also mm -hmm. didn't fit most human beings in the, in the real world. And I'm sure Brooks right. did their fair share of that, but but Brooks also had the like, oh, it's a navy blazer with soft shoulders. We can we can bring the waist in if you need to, but this is it. And it's like, oh, cool. That's rad. Right. Right. And I think that's where they lost their way a little bit, right? Because now, totally. you know, people are transitioning over to this thing, and now they're trying to scramble to think about how do I make this relevant for people who are high fashion? Or should I make this relevant for people right. who are high fashion? Right. Do, do you think that there is any sort of, like, Ivy, quote-unquote, movement um, within, like, as a subculture in the menswear world? You know, we're, like Connor said earlier, we're, t we're 10 years past the blog, like, explosion. But there's still, like, mm -hmm. a solid online menswear community in various forms. Mm. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I think there is. I mean, I think what I see now is sort of like a definite tribalism 
sort of taking place in menswear. You know, I mean, there are certain guys who are just totally committed menswear heads, which means that they'll incorporate whatever they feel they want to incorporate in that space. It'll whether it be Drake's or Sid Mashburn or whatever, they'll take it all and they'll they'll use it all and they use it all well. Um, yeah. Then they got the hardcore Ivy guys who are just nothing but Brooks and and Jake Press and and O'Connell's and this is all we wear and this is what the correct thing is. The the danger is you never tell anybody what the correct thing is, right? You try to embrace other viewpoints and accept other viewpoints and sort of uh, just understand we're just it's a pretty small boat that we're all rowing in in terms of menswear and uh, just try to be more accepting. Uh, and not overly critical. Certainly. Certainly. You know? Which I, I think is, is you, just a good you know. view for life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It used to be really cool. mean if you came up on those fashion forums, whatever, of whichever extraction, people were mean as shit. And like, that's why we have this thought about the fit pick. Like I want people to go deep into their archives and find their fit picks from like 2007 to see how different they are. Because like, I know what mine looked like. I yeah. was fucking terrified. I was terrified. I'm taking a picture in my bedroom, fluorescent <laughs> lighting. I'm very terrified. There's a small, uh, what do they call it? Exit and, uh, something way window, you know, like a little window to climb out. Uh, so there's this is not a good. This is not a good look. I don't look bad, but it's right. not good. Yeah, well, yeah, but in what context, though, Connor? Because you can see your journey, right? Because that's that kind yeah. of quote unquote mistake or whatever you want to call it or whatever misfire is necessary to the growth to put you where you are now. Which is, I think you're you're tremendously stylish. You know why? Because you inhabit yourself and you're true to your aesthetic. And Matt, I'm sure the same is true for you. You guys aren't trying to make concessions. You're just trying to live as expressively and organically as possible. And that's where real true style comes from. Not from the grail that you're going to find, but from from yourself, from in, within, you know? Certainly. And it true. really is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, so anyway. Was, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, go on. <laughs> I was going to go with the, I was going to go with the big question. I was going to get a big question, I guess, unless you want to read it, Matt. Uh, I mean, Darren, I, I feel like this kind of fits into uh, what that discussion mm-hmm. led, uh, or where that discussion led, but, like, mm-hmm. so, we wanted to talk about Black Ivy, um, and, right. and mostly, you know, just the general impact of a very, you know, big portion of the population that doesn't get as much credit as it should. As it, reti- right. you know, as it informs clothing and style and whatnot. Um, right. So, you know, we, yeah. I think most of the people listening to the show have, uh, are aware of Black Ivy and, and, you know, the book by Jason Jules. Could you give us your kind of idea of this as a mentality? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that Jason did that was amazing, and I actually got a chance to talk to him in New York because there was a book signing at Drake's on Canal Street, which I went to. And I had been following him for a while. Actually, not to blow my own horn, I got a mention in that book in the back. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. 
Yeah. Well, you deserve it. You yeah, are. you absolutely you fucking deserve it. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah, and I had Jason sign it, and I was like, and we were talking, and I was like, well, you know, I'm glad you brought this book to light because I think it it needed to be, you know, it needed to be out there that we weren't excluded from the conversation of American style or American Ivy, as you you put it. We were there from the beginning, and if you look at the historical record, right, which are uh, to a degree college yearbooks, which <clears throat> I collected as well, just to go back, and I got the inspiration from another. Uh, person on Instagram um, <clears throat> to go back and look and see, well, are African American people or Asian people present in this context? And of course they were, not to a large degree, but they were there at the beginning in several prep schools in America, Deerfield Academy and uh, Columbia and several other schools. I mean, there aren't a ton of African American people in, in that context during that time, but they were there. So they were participating in this whole uh, Ivy thing, right? Yeah, uh, my totally. dad. I remember some, of the earliest, yeah, some of the earliest conversations I had. With my father I said, "Hey, Dad, what what styles were in when you were a kid?" He said, "Oh, it was Ivy, Ivy style." Oh, that's fucking sick. Said, even, even then, yeah, he said, he, we wore in it, those right? terms. In those terms, he used that specific terms. It was he said it was Ivy. We dressed Ivy League. He didn't say Ivy style. He said Ivy League, and he said that we wore the. She knows with the buckles in the back. We wore uh, penny loafers. Um, they wore shirts, but they weren't, of course, Brooks Brothers because those comparatively were expensive back then. So they weren't wearing oh, yeah. J. Press, Brooks Brothers, and what have you. They were recontextualizing and remaking it, right, and bringing these other influences in. Um, they would wear the flat caps, tweed caps. That was big for them that he, he told me about. They would wear varsity jackets um, or army jackets. So it wasn't quite Ivy, but it was what their, what their approximation of it was, right? And that's where the difference comes in because African-Americans traditionally have to recontextualize things a lot, right? Yeah. If you look at the historical record, that's how some of these things, jazz, macaroni and cheese actually is um, African-American from you know, they took these noodles, the cheese, blah, 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 combined it and came up with something. They made it their own, is my point. Um, yeah. Even the banjo, the banjo, American instrument we think of as a Southern instrument, is actually of African origin. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Started out, yeah, as a gourd that they stuck a pole in and, you know, because they couldn't afford guitars. So they, my point is they made these things their own by piecing together some of what they had available, some of of uh, the dominant culture, the American white culture or what have you, and then recontextualizing, making it their own. And that's what Black Ivy is, actually. So it isn't what, it isn't the straightforward Ivy we would think of in terms of the Take Ivy book. It's more of an incorporation of these other elements that they could, you know, bring into the mix. Well, I mean, Connor and I were it's talking earlier, and I haven't, I haven't looked at my copy of Take Ivy in a long time. But I'm fairly certain that mm. there are, or maybe it's a similar like photo project, but like there are, you know, African Americans at in that book, and it's like, yo, this yeah. this never gets mentioned because like yeah. maybe it was Princeton, yeah, I mean, like I, I feel like Princeton maybe was an early uh, integrated school, but like mm -hmm. it's there and it. 
it very rarely gets mentioned. Yeah, yeah, it was there from the beginning. I mean, it's not clear. I know know what pictures you're talking about. You can see them standing off to the side or in the background or what have you. Yeah, they yeah, were present. Yeah, yeah. You know, They're, so it yeah. wasn't like it dropped out of the sky and all of a sudden, oh wow, Black Ivy, where did that come from? They were there already, but it just wasn't getting the sort of regard. Any coverage at all. Yeah. At all. I was I was reading this Esquire piece today and they said that WB Du Bois had a Brooks Brothers account. Wow. Which I think like that's the shit, right? If you were an order at the height of your game, like where would you buy your shirts in eighteen eighty or whatever? Right. Um, Where would you go? So I think, yeah, there's a notion. And it's fucked up. I mean, it just is fucked up. It's like that black people were like, we want to look like those guys so we can be in their club. Like, that's not the fucking point. Right. Right. That's not the the point point at all. You know, it's like, I'm going to do this better than you. Yeah. What? Right. I'm going to make this my own. Right. Yes. And I'm going to do it in a way that speaks to my experience. You keep you. No one's threatening your experience and no one's questioning that the validity of that. But you're going to recognize that I have a voice. Right. And I have something that I want to say and I'm going to recontextualize and I'm going to take what what's given to me. I'm going to make it my own to speak to to speak to for myself. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's there's no way to or there's seemingly lots of ways to understate just how much the impact of, of like black people on global culture has been documented. Like it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a big music person. I think probably everyone that I know knows that like, you know, it's often in that discussion a lot when you're talking about the stones or you're talking about like, you know, various like, Various people like Elvis Presley taking black music and making it white. Um, you know, right. that's that's been talked about for a very long time, and I'm not here to do that. But for clothing, which everyone, you know, interacts with in their daily life, like, it hasn't been discussed until maybe the past five years, if I'm being generous. Like, like what... what yeah. You know, you look back and there's so many of the coolest looking motherfuckers that were not white people. Right. And that white people emulated to, you know, to do their own thing. Like, why, what do you think has changed that this is finally Talk about stolen valor. Yeah. It's literally just stolen valor. It's like, yo, I can, I can look right. like Chuck Berry and write, or, record songs that other people have written and sound like Chuck Berry as a white dude. But like, why, mm-hmm. why hasn't this been discussed? And, and do you, do you personally feel like something's changed with it in the, you know, last little while? Right. I think it's starting to come to light. I think people are forcing it to be recognized and Jason has been instrumental in that. And, I think other people on Instagram are finally recognizing that, you know, hey, it's not just about Steve McQueen or it's not just about Paul Newman. There's right. Other, right. There's other right. heroes out there, right? I mean, Cecil Beaton. I mean, gay men have done 
a tremendous amount to move fashion forward. And they hardly, even in right now, they don't get the mention. I mean, you won't see like uh, James Baldwin and uh, Connor and I were talking about that. You know, you don't see him held up as this paragon of style. But here right, but he looks so fucking good all the time. Yeah, all the time. But you don't see But he's that. totally but he's totally out of the conversation. Like yeah. there are pictures I see of him sometimes and I'm like, why have I never seen this picture? Well, we know why. Yeah. They don't want to, it was they don't want to hear that particular viewpoint. They don't want to hear hear from that particular voice a lot of times. And they don't want to give credence to something that threatens the established history. See, that's the problem in this country, and I don't want to get too political, is the schizism that we have. Like, we propagate these values, but at the same time, we repress certain things. Right? Yeah. Capone is probably one of the most stylish men of the 20th century. Why oh, my God. see him anywhere, really? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, why not? Well, it's an Basically, odd... Queen to me. It's an oh, it's odd, uh, like hatred and idolization idolatry like we Mm -hmm. put these people on a pedestal these people who are black people for the most part we put them on a pedestal and we say this is what we should look like these amazing athletes these genius people right but Mm -hmm. we don't like them man we hate them we hate them they suck we hate them we hate them because it's threatening to yeah it's threatening to a degree oh you know certainly yeah you know i mean yeah should be space for all viewpoints all count all um sensibilities in this country it shouldn't be this thing where you feel like oh because this black guy is wearing an oxford shirt it's going to tear down this institution of like right right i unique style that's been upheld since 1924 or whatever it is when it it's not a threat to that. Actually, any culture that doesn't adopt any new sensibilities or new ideas isn't. It's like a fly in amber. It's not going to grow. It's a dead culture. It has to take in new things. And, and to, also, in order just to like, move forward, to move forward, you have to take a new shit, and then you also just right. have to. If, if someone is not hurting anybody else around them, why do you give a fuck mm-hmm. about? Any of this right. shit. Like, why right. Why does skin or gender or whatever matter? Because, right. boiled down, like, we all fucking die the same. <laughs> like, not to get dark, but, you know, like, why does it, why does it matter? But, what, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, yeah. we, this, I mean, this was yeah. a really I mean, fun answer. It's all this narrative that we're yeah. Oh, go, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I mean, we have to stop Yeah, no problem, Matt. We, we we have to stop believing that we're under threat in this country. There is no real threat. Right. 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 It's it's all of us together, and we have to be accepting, and we have to be inclusive, and not from a a touch point point of view to say, okay, look, look what I did. I'm inclusive now. But from an understanding and a compassion viewpoint. One hundred percent. You know. And like I said, this moves the ball forward for all of us when we start to do that, you know, in terms of style as well, you know? Totally. totally. Absolutely. The diversity, diversity is the answer. Diversity is the answer to almost every problem. Yeah. 
you need to you need to bring in diverse voices, ideas, what have you, and then you will have your solution. Right. So right. I don't know. I'm not trying to get too uh, hippy dippy, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> it is it is it is near and dear to me, right? And it's like you just have to ask yourself, like, why? Why in the fuck is it like this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of gatekeeping in menswear, you know, and it's a shame. You know, I've been to a couple of menswear events in New York, and I'm not going to mention any names and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but it's a couple of guys who you try to approach and have a conversation when they're just too cool for school. They don't want to. Yeah, they don't want to fuck with you. Yeah. They want to mess with the guy who has 100,000 followers. Yeah. Like, right. You'll send them a DM like, hey, man, I like that, blah, blah. Zero, Zippo. You don't have two seconds to say, hey, man, appreciate that, or blah, blah, blah. You don't have to become my best friend, but at least give right. that person like, Just be a fucking human being. You know? That's kind of what it boils down to. Be a human being. Just be a human being. Yeah. Uh, I, I personally am very introverted. I don't love talking to people. I do a public-facing job because I'm an asshole and an idiot, but... uh. You know, like, if someone DMs me, I have, like, around 8,000 followers. Like, I, I try not to mm-hmm. leave people on read or just, like, not even respond. Sometimes I fuck up. But, like, just that that's the crux of this whole, like, internet thing. It's like, yo, you're not, you're not some, like, you're not some special being. Right. Like, we're all fucking nerds yeah. here, and we just want to interact. Just be normal. Right. Just be normal. You didn't ride down on a Thunderbolt like fucking Zeus. <laughs> be a guy. Yeah, dude. Yeah, just like, yo, we're, we're all at the, like, fringes of society as far as what we actually care about. Let's just interact and have a good time right. and talk about some dumb shit that yeah, nobody right. else cares about. Yeah, let, let's talk about, you know, double vented jackets and all kinds of right. dirty crap. Right. You know? I mean, this, this I is... I will only talk about center. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is why Connor and I started the podcast, so that we can talk to a bunch of random people that have this, like, really weird <laughs> niche interest that we actually do. Uh, yeah. yeah. I digress. Yeah. I digress. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, speaking of which, since we have sort of dispensed with the idea of Ivy as a subculture, um, are there other, are there other subcultures that you feel are, have an influence on your style? Jazz, probably so. Yeah, I swear, I would say jazz and um, classic film, man, is like, I love Turner classic movies, like any oh, other yeah. guy. I love all that stuff, man. That's where you could see really people really inhabiting their clothes from in a realistic way, in with a lack of <clears throat> excuse me self regard, right? They're not concerned with the Instagram posts, but they're inhabiting their clothes. They're wearing their own clothes for the most part because a lot of yeah, right, guys, right. There was Carrie no- Grant's wearing his own clothes. Yeah. He's, and he looks amazing, but you know what? It's with a lack of regard for it, too. You know, he's just doing his thing. That's why he looks so cool. Totally. You know? We're too self-aware to get to that point, right? We're too educated. We're too self-aware of this whole thing 
to really inhabit that those clothes the same way now. That t- that moment has passed. That's why I love classic film because um, you can really see them living <clears throat> in the context of their clothes. You know, um, so I think classic film is just <clears throat> excuse me a, a tremendous tremendous resource of of style. Matter of fact, there's this film um, by Lewis Mail, I believe. <clears throat> it's called The Fire Within. And it's about this guy who's going to commit suicide, right? He wakes up one day. He's like, my, I'm a writer. My life's empty. I'm going to kill myself today. <clears throat> so he gets up. And the first thing he does in these long lingering shots of him getting prepared and getting dressed, he pulls out this beautiful silk scarf and he puts on this tweed suit and this tie. And he has all these clothes because he's staying at this mental institution and this is on a criterion uh network if you're interested in seeing it but my point is that even in the midst of this guy wanting to kill himself he still takes time to inhabit this clothing to put on this clothes these clothes it's not a it's almost an unconscious choice like this is who i am and this is how i'm going to end my life dressed in this manner so that is so freaking cool to me man yeah i'm looking at the wiki right now yeah, he's just doing his thing. And he's just going to, like, today's the day, I'm going to end it, but I'm still going to take time to look appropriate. In the midst of my existential crisis, I'm going to look amazing. And, you know, as a subculture, and as not necessarily a subculture, but probably from a viewpoint of style and influence, those those type of little things and nuances are really, really cool to me. So. If we can I think I would probably movie. watch that. Yeah, yeah, give it a watch, man. I think you'll you'll like it. You'll Con- Connor can watch it and then tell me slash send me the details because I'm terrible about watching anything uh, that yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> just confession there. <laughs> yeah, you you'll enjoy it. You, if you give it a chance and have some time, yeah, definitely. All right, I will take your word for it and and give it a shot sometime in the nearest future. No promises. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, kind of to to round out things, uh, what is either your oldest, rarest, most expensive, or best deal item that you can think of? I- any or a mm-hmm. mixture of those is is very good uh recently i found on ebay an answer anderson and shepherd tweed suit three piece oh very That's nice <laughs> i mean the thing is just beautiful i mean it's the heaviest most beautiful made suit that i've ever seen and i've come across tons of this stuff while i've been you know into <clears throat> into this so this thing is made like a tank. I mean, it'll last. My great grandkids will probably could, could wear this thing, <laughs> but it, I think I got four hundred dollars. But it's a gorgeous piece of clothing. So that's probably the rarest in my my prize, my my baby right there. Okay, of course you can't you got... really wear this thing. Except you have pictures of that. I'll send them to you. <clears throat> yeah, I'll send them to you. We gotta see it. We gotta see the suit because that sounds amazing. It it is. Connor, I mean, it's just phenomenal. And I've got it and I bought it from this woman in England. I guess her husband had left or whatever. And she was selling it for like two, three hundred dollars. I said, that's about my size. And I got it and I was like, 
<clears throat> I knew from research that Anderson and Shepard has a tremendous amount of inlay, which means they leave a lot of fabric mm -hmm. in their clothing. So if the customer comes back in a few years, um, they can let it out and make it fit this individual. So I was like, I'm gonna take a gamble. I'm gonna bet there's like a lot of fabric in there. So if I need to make some adjustments, I can. So I got it. Of course, there was fabric in there and fits like a glove now. Beautiful. Ah, uh, see, yeah, and then you, and then that's a real victory. Yeah, that, that's, that's when the internet really wins for you. Find yeah, <laughs> that's a hundred percent victory. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's probably, probably the best answer we've had to that question, as 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 that goes. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I agree entirely. Ah, uh, well, Darren, dude, thank you so much for coming on. This was hella fun and. A very enlightening conversation on on my behalf. I, I think I can probably speak for Connor. Also. Um, but oh, yeah, no, we also mouth fun for me too. Good, good. We're we're happy to hear that. Um, so we always like to give the guests uh, a chance to shout out anything they want to. We did not include your Instagram handle in the intro because we figured you might want to share that. But have at it. Oh, well, I guess if you guys, if anyone's so inclined, you can feel free to follow me at DarrenJ201 uh, on Instagram. Good content. Yeah, it's good content. 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 I recommend it. Not looking, to, not looking to be an influencer, but I am looking to, you know, be a friend. So if you want to come on there and. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> if if you guys are like, Bruce let's time. do it. If not, go <laughs> fuck yourself. My word's not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man alright sick well uh, Darren thank you so much again um, everyone listening thanks for tuning in uh, if you like us uh, please give us a follow on Spotify or whatever app you choose um, apocalypsestuds at gmail.com if you have questions comments concerns probably not but it's fine. Uh, I'm Matt Smith at Rebels Rogues. Connor Fowler at Connor Fowler. All right. And thanks for tuning in to the uh, start of season three. <laughs>